Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Journey from Dude to Dad. I'm Kyle Mickle, and my dad is the host. His name is Mike, and he is far from being a dude. He's been a dad for 21 years. He has me to thank for that. He's joined by his friend Kevin Walker, who is also pretty far removed from dudeness. After all, he's so old, he went to college with my mom. Anyway, they definitely know about dad stuff, and they will have plenty of dudes joining them. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey from Dude to Dad. It's Kevin Walker and Mike Mickle. Partially still quarantined? I don't know. I mean, how do how do you label it now? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You go back out for dinner or you go to do some shopping and you're like, wow, there's people around. Um, I mean, Hy-Vee or Fairway or anywhere else you go to buy groceries has been busy the whole time. But um, yeah, it is a little weird to see people. I mean, I've gotten really used to like waving at my neighbors and talking across like this, you know, would yell across the street as cars are passing. But, um, to see people and I know maybe you've run into this cause you're right. You're out still. And I'm out working too. I'm starting to run into people again that I haven't seen in literally months. And then you like, like, you don't know what to do. You're like, you know what? You can't shake hands really. And you just like, whatever. And then you talk for a while and then you realize, well, you could talk for an hour but you're there to pick up eggs or whatever. So you're like, oh, cool. Well, I'll call you. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, same thing for me. I mean, being media type, I mean, I'm not spending as much time at home, but um, which is good because I'm, I'm tired of working at home, I guess. You know, it's nice to get out and about. It's warm out now. So it, it is the whole thing to me. I've gotten to the point now where I think it's maybe mentally draining. I'm just kind of like over it. And there's really, unfortunately, that's not going to work because it, it's not over. Are they a lot of them, though, kind of like, I guess it would be, I think we talked about this in the last episode, whether it would be Oklahoma City or 9-11. Are, are some of them still kind of excited to cover this story because it is such a once in a lifetime kind of thing where it's an ongoing or, or are they all still, I got to be safe today or I got to be this or some of them like, wow, this is really from a being a reporter angle. This is kind of a a huge opportunity to shine and do my do my thing. Yeah.
Mm-hmm. Well, covering protest is a different kind of fear for your own safety, per se, than it is fear of catching coronavirus. Because um, you can see, with the, I mean, my wife and I had this discussion yesterday about the flu versus coronavirus. It's when someone has the flu, I can usually tell because you pretty sick or unless it's really early and you have it and I don't know but for the most part if you have the flu with the coronavirus you really don't know you you, someone could have it for weeks Um, but you're right with with civil unrest and some of the uh, the protests that are going on um, you you can see it right in front of you 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 can see any potential danger right in front of you and and when you're a reporter I'm amazed at how much when I'm watching whether it's CBS or NBC or ABC Nightly News, almost daily reporters are there in LA and they're here in Philadelphia or whatever. I'm amazed at how often they are just, they're right in the mix of things and something, someone's bumping into them or something's flying over their head or their police are eight feet away. Being on the front lines of something like that, that has to be, I, I suppose it's an adrenaline rush to begin with, but it that you can't just automat- um, automatically assume that there's safety there as, as a person of the, in the press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're right. It's it, it's like you trust your own family. You if you've been around with these people for 12 weeks, you're right. I'm I I'll go to my mother-in-law's pool with my two kids because I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they're okay. Um, but you're right. It, it's I mean, even for like my photo booth company, we had every possible event canceled with weddings and or like grad parties, but now I'm finding that a lot of the parents are calling back and are wanting to book grad parties for August or September. And it's like, all right, so it's almost like, well, we're going to do this because we're not going to completely let this thing get out of control and have no memory of our senior year. Um, so I, I, it's weird. I, I, I am finding now that people are like, look, we're not going to do it in May. We're not going to do it in June. Are you available in August? And I'm like, yes, we're available any day because there's nothing happening. You know, there's nothing going on. We are available 24 seven in the month of, of August. So yes, please pick your date. But, um, Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. It, it has, I mean, so much of what's happened between coronavirus and all of the unrest in our country right now has really made me even think about the perspective of my own business. It's how really unimportant it is. Um, I mean, it's important that I make a living and can feed my family, but at the same time, there's nothing that I do in the industries that I work in that is life-changing. They're life-enhancing, and that's it. And it is it it just really does put things in perspective. And and like your kids, Caitlin now has a summer nanny job here in the Quad Cities, so she she's nanny and she's up out the door at seven thirty and going to bed early. I mean, this is normally the kid that would be up till midnight and sleep till noon, and she's like, got to be babysitting at eight o'clock, so I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to shower in the morning. I'm going to go, and it's like it's only been a week of that. So there is a semblance of normalcy, other than she wants to drive my car instead of like the. The third car we've got, which is like a van that's 15 years old that is purposely meant for her to drive. Yet somehow for this last week, she's been driving my car everywhere. And I'm like, I'm driving the old beater van. I'm like, what? Who is the parent here? (laughs) Well, I don't feel bad then. Yeah, I don't feel bad. Yeah, I guess it, you know. Uh, and yesterday, uh, as we record this, it's it's early June, first Saturday in June. Yesterday would have been the official end of the school year for my wife as the teacher. And she's just like, such a letdown. Well, I'm like, yeah, your last day of school was really two months ago. I mean, let's be honest. No one, it is really a letdown because you're like on this like long-term like work from home slash break thing. And so, and for her, as she's transitioning to a different job next school year, I think it she doesn't have the closure that she wanted, like in the classroom. I mean, five years from now, she it'll just be like, oh, that was the school year of 2020 of coronavirus. But right now, she's having a really hard time knowing that she's transitioning to a different position uh, in the technology. She's going to be in the uh, li- librarian, which in reality, in today's schools, is an IT. She's a, she's an, a technology person teaching kids how to use technology and how to research with technology and what Google's about and. Uh, I, I think she'll love not being in the classroom, but she really is like, I really wish I had that last 12 weeks in the classroom because I didn't know it was going to end. So it's like anything else I've been do I've done it forever, but I really would have soaked it up more had I known I wasn't going to do it past March 15th or whatever. So, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't go back. Yeah. Is she... Caitlin is starting to obsess about because Loyola is she goes to Loyola in Chicago and Loyola is sending us endless emails about, well, we might do this in the fall and we might stand on our head or we might jump in the lake or we might. Their thing now is they're talking about not allowing students like one person to a dorm room instead of having two or three or four in a dorm room, which then says that their next step is. And therefore, we don't have enough room for all of you on campus. So if you're a sophomore, we're going to release you from because at Loyola, you have to live on campus your first two years. It's mandatory. So what do you think is happening now? My daughter's like, well, I'm going to get an apartment off campus and me and 16 girls are going to live together. And I'm like, great. Don't bring anything home to me. Then she's like, well, dad, we're going to save money. And I'm like, A, you're not on camp. I mean, so we're having that whole thing now about Loyola is encouraging if you are going to be doing any of your classes online, because they're also still like, we're going to do partial online. We're going to do in person. We don't know. And she's all distraught about that because she wants the college experience. To her, the college experience is just as much living on campus and being in Chicago. This online business, she had wanted no part of that the last eight weeks of the year. And she's deathly afraid 
that that's how the first semester is going to go is that it's going to be online. It isn't so much about that. I don't want to live with mom or dad. It's like I want to be in Chicago. And so her thing now is, well, if they if I'm going to be a lottery pick for the dorm, let's just gather the girls up and get an apartment off campus. Um, you know, and then we're I'm like, why don't we just take it one step at a time? It's June. Let's let's just take a breath. Well, dad, we're going to save money and we're going to do this. And I'm like, I would prefer safety over savings at this point. Not that not that that part of Chicago is not safe, but I am keenly aware that the campus is ultra secure. Loyola has an like most colleges, probably very, very well placed security plan and officers. And I'm like, I so and I'm not sure I want you living with four other girls because one of you gets something, all of you get it, whether it's flu or Corona or, you know, a cold. And second, I don't know if I want you living two miles off campus where it is not as safe. I don't care how much money we're saving. And she's she's a little bit of that 19 year old is like, I'll be fine. Mm, I thought the same thing, but. Um, going to school in Davenport, Iowa, you know, with your wife, your wife kept all of us safe. <laughs> she was intimidating enough that no one would mess with us. <laughs> she did. Uh, well, no, she was probably more fun than, than maybe you would say she is now. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I've talked to her about it before, maybe a month or so ago, and she does. It's kind of like, well, it's just what it is. I have to go, and it's my job, and I, I can't change it. And and I suppose that kind of attitude in her line of work is necessary because if you're if you don't have that, um, it could be really hard to go in and do that. Whether it's I don't want to go, or when you're there, that ha- I would I I, have, I mean, not that I don't have an appreciation for nurses or doctors or ER uh, staff. But it has become profoundly greater through uh, the COVID-19 thing. I'm, I'm utterly, especially people that volunteer and are going to New York or L.A. or Chicago and volunteering to put their own health at risk potentially to save other people. That is amazing to me. Sure. Yeah. I, I hope that that continues. And I, when this all started, initially I thought this was going to be just like a giant speed bump. But I, as I begin to see it, and then in, in the wake of, of everything else that is, is going on in our country now with law enforcement and, and just all of everything else, everything that encompasses that, I do think we are we are potentially poised at a moment in history that that could be that our country could look vastly different soon and and hope to god in a in a in a positive way you know um partly because of coronavirus 
and and just partly because of everything, all the unrest and the injustice and the and the need for change in our society that that all of us know is there. And I don't know. It's we and I'm. I don't know if you've had those conversations with your family or your wife, Caitlin, being a college kid. Um, and my wife being a teacher and myself, we've had those conversations about being white and privilege and access and, and things that we think we are aware of that in reality, I don't know. It's, it, I had a conversation with, with one of my wife's friends a couple of days ago about, and I don't want to veer too far off topic, but it, we had that conversation, which maybe you've had with people, how no matter what I do, I will never be afraid of if I get pulled over by a police officer. I don't care where it's at. Dubuque, Davenport, Chicago. As a white man in America, I will never be afraid if I get pulled over by a police officer. So can I really relate to what a black man or woman is going through in that situation? I think I always thought I could or I empathized. Now I'm like, do I really? Do I really understand? It turns out I don't. I can't. I don't think I can. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and and it, it it then it's magnified. I saw the story out of Tacoma, Washington, a couple of days ago too. And it's it there until things change. I guess at a fundamental level, you'll see those things happen. But you're right, and through documentaries and through your work in in news, you have far more experience interacting with police officers on various levels and the sheriff's department than most people do. So you actually have a keen insight and that, which is, I think what a a person like me would want to see is that the confirmation that, that it isn't all a bunch of bad apples because it's not possible that they're all, that every law enforcement officer is a bad apple. That's not even possible. Um, but yeah, it, you're right. I mean, with the work you've done, you see that firsthand that how good and how much some of these people care about their community. I know they, they bundled together now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in the feeling in watching when I see them speak on TV or the times that I've been along, maybe to videotape an interview that you've done with an officer or other stuff, the sincerity in their voices or in their eyes, even, you know, when you see them on TV even over the last week or two, to me, I, it, it just appears that, that there's a sincerity there that, that is heartfelt. Um, and you can't fake that, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and the family unit that, I mean, the magazine for, how long has it been now? 20 years? 17? Has been there. Your family has been forefront in it. I mean, people have grown up watching your kids grow up, uh, seeing how you and your wife have dealt with those things. And and we talk about fatherhood here on the podcast and things of that nature. But you're right. It is a consistent in our community because as I look at everything that's going on, I think one of the things that, that will make things better in life is consistent things that bring attention to the good things. And that's one thing that I think QC Family Focus has always done. It One way or another, whether it's how to have fun this summer with your kids or whether it's a serious topic or whether it's, you know – dental uh, hygiene tips or how to, you know, it, with your kids or it, there's, there's always something that is giving a tip that helps a parent do their job more efficiently. Cause it, cause parenting is hard and, and the magazine, ha- oh, it's like, to me, the magazine has a parent's back with fun, with facts and with a sense of family. I mean, I think you would agree that a lot of the Quad City community view your family as someone that they know. Because they've seen your kids grow up. They see you on TV. I hear that sometimes. I mean, where I have heard you on the radio forever. I feel like I know your older daughter's 19 now. I remember when she was little and used to talk about her on the air and used to put her on and she could barely speak a full sentence. And now she's a freshman. Sometimes we underestimate the impact that we have in a magazine, on TV, on radio, or in outreach that we have. Because if you don't talk to somebody, you don't know you reach them per se. It's always amazing to me how that impact happens. (laughs) So close. Yeah. When you started the magazine, did you have any particular plan? Was it just, this is what we're going to do? It's, there's a need for this. Was there any master plan? Like, well, we're going to do this for sure until all three of these kids are out of this house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think people they look forward to it and whether they read it cover to cover or they cherry pick one thing from the cover and they're like oh, I want to see that 
it makes an impact to them. Whether their kid brings it home from school or they find it at the grocery store or they find it at their doctor's office or whatever it happens to be. Or now, if they read it online, um, the impact, ever so slight or ever so great, every family is a little bit different. But when you're talking tens of thousands of Quad City families that have been affected over the years in a positive way, that's pretty important. That's pretty special. It appears that you have full steam ahead. Well, as you say, as you say that, it just made we were talking about Karen earlier, and Karen and I went to college together here in Davenport. And as I'm looking and I'm thinking, this would literally be our 30 year reunion this year. 30 years we have been out of school, and I'm like, where did that time go? Because um, I'm getting older too, obviously. I I think you and I are both active enough that I don't think either one of us particularly feel our age. Because we still have younger kids at home. I mean, I have younger. I mean, I have a six-year-old remarried. I mean, that, that happens. Um, I still get people all the time. They're like, "You have a nineteen-year-old and a six-year-old. How'd that happen?" I'm like, "Divorce, remarry. You know, it happens. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, uh, I don't have the energy for the six-year-old. Like when we went out for our anniversary last night, I was like, "This is so peaceful, quiet. We didn't. We didn't have like this. Like my wife and I didn't have the most overwhelmingly intellectual conversation. It was like a good steak and a beer, and just the absence of our. I, I mean, I love this kid to the moon, but the absence of a thousand questions during dinner, or a meltdown because she couldn't have what she wanted, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is peaceful, quiet. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm unfortunately in that going to be in that same boat. We're buying a house. We're moving at the middle to end of June here and somehow I I think I just got wore down. I've had had dogs before. We had a, my wife and I had a dog when we got married. Got rid of it when Camden was born because she was allergic to the boxer. So we found a, a farmer that would take the dog cuz Riley was like 12. Somehow I got sucked into letting Camden get a dog. My sister and brother-in-law have a dog. And I don't even know. This is like some sort of purebred mix. It's like not even as big as your dog. About 11 pounds, like a combo between a, I don't even, like a, I don't even know. I, I could show you a picture and you'd be like, oh yeah, it's a Maltese something or whatever. But Camden is, you would think we won the lottery. She, It's like we're having a new baby brother. And because it's all K's in our family, and had Camden been a boy, because we're huge Hawkeye fans, we would have named her Kinnick. So the dog's name is going to be Kinnick. Um, but it's going to be a dog that is like, you know, this big. And the reason we got the dog, I said, no, absolutely not. I'm not cleaning up after it. I don't want a dog. And I don't want a dog that sheds in the house. Turns out this dog is hypoallergenic and it won't shed in the house. My sister-in-law's got one. We tested it. I'm like, I finally gave in. And drop the money for the purebred dog. And you would think that I sent my kid through college on a full ride. She is so excited. And every day, today it was like, Dad, it's 10 days away. We can get the dog in 10 days. 10 days. Dad, it's 10 days away. From- oh, boy. And every day is a one more day. And I'm like, this. But then I think to myself, 
as long as this doesn't become a disaster and I'm feeding, cleaning, washing, taking the dog out, that was the deal. You and your sister when she's here and your mom have to take care of the dog. I will hold the dog and love the dog, but I am not doing any of the work because I do so much other stuff that no one wants to do. I know full well that I'm going to end up doing a lot of it, but I had to play the tough guy like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'll be the softy that six months from now, there'll be the Instagram picture on my wife's feed of me asleep on the couch with a dog licking my face probably. And I'll be like, such a sucker. Just enjoying the cool tile floor. <laughs> That's right. Was there any hesitation about getting another dog? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Same. Yep. I'm sure I will be too. And if I, if I had my druthers, I would have wanted another boxer or a bigger dog. I don't want a little bitty dog that I can put in a purse, but I also really don't miss like having to vacuum the house constantly or having to clean up the kennel. And so at least if this dog truly isn't going to shed all over the house, I'll probably be okay with it. The new house we're moving into doesn't have as much carpet as the current house we have. It's a lot of hardwood floors. So I'm like, well, maybe this, maybe this will turn out fine after all. And you know, but I have that same worry. I'm like, I don't really want to train a dog. I don't want to have to come home from work in the middle of the day to let the dog out. Um, so with getting her in the summer, I have lots of girls in the house that will be able to hopefully train the dog by the time school starts. I don't know if that'll actually happen, but yeah, it is. But the joy on my daughter, my younger daughter's face and even the even Caitlin is like, oh, this will be cool. I'm like, you know what? I should probably suck it up and just let her have the dog because she is like in heaven waiting for this thing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she'll be holding her. That'll be the or him. I keep calling her her because we were looking at a female first and then it got sold. And so then we picked the male and I was like, at least I can have another boy. So Camden is constantly saying, Dad, you'll get to have a son after all. No, it's a dog, Camden. But you can, I guess, well, Kinnick will be like the son you never had. She's smart enough now. She's like, did you want a boy? I'm like, I wanted a boy both times, but I love both you girls. Like, I wouldn't trade you for anything. So if I was a boy, you would have called me. Kinnick? Yes. But you're a girl, so we called you Camden. Enough said. She's just like, she's at that age now where she's like intelligent enough to like, what did she say to me yesterday or the day before? I told her to do something and it was like kind of stern with her. And she said, what the hell? <laughs> and then of course I said, where did you, where did you learn that? What did she say? I heard you say it. Heard you say that to mom. You like, how did you hear that? You were supposed to be in bed. I'm like, she is a sieve. I'm like, okay, well, I guess there's probably worse things you could have heard me say. I mean, so, I mean, what the hell? I'm like, go, go, go do it. You're six. Let's not have this conversation. She's going to kill me when I'm 16. It's going to be crazy. I, it's, I just don't think I'll be able to do it. 
Ja. Yeah, I. Yeah, we had talked about like wanting potentially to have a third to try. Whether I mean another girl would have been fine, but but I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't. And now with Camden being six and me being fifty one, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that would have been a good idea because I don't have any problem keeping up with her. I'm in pretty good shape, but I think if we had waited like to another two or three years and I had had a, an infant at forty eight or forty nine, I mean, I know it's not impossible to do, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe I am pretty good with what I got, and I'm I'm good to go, and that'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, I think about that now and I will be, when Camden graduates, assuming we live here for for then and she goes to Pleasant Valley High School, I imagine I will be 67 when she graduates from high school, which seems absurd to me now because I don't feel 51. But like I always say to my wife, I'm not always going to feel 10 years younger than I really am. Someday I'm actually going to feel as old as I am. And when that happens, you're going to take care of me. Or one of these girls that pretends they love me all the time is going to take care of me. Put me in a home. They always they, they basically tell me, what's the place down the street from your, the fountains or whatever? That's the joke. That, well, we'll put you at the fountains. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's nice. So you see some guy out in a wheelchair by himself. It might be Mike Mickle. There's none left for home. Well, I mean, that's, I guess, okay. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> so what is in the June issue? If you haven't gone online yet to check it out, because we're, we're doing digital issues right now, just with, with the world the way it is, um, and, and people are getting used to it. They're going, they're finding it on Facebook. They're going to the website. What's in the June issue that people are going to want to go check out? They are really incredible. That's where Camden got her glasses. And we we went there partly because I've been exposed to them through working with you. And it, what a great decision. They have... So, I mean, right now, they're, we can't go in and see their It's telemedicine. But they have such a great... Uh, bedside manner is not the right way to do it. But Camden is so comfortable with her doctor. Her vision is getting better. They've made all the right calls. I'm... Because I would have been the guy that's like, let's just go wherever and, you know, get the two for 99. But I it was the best decision we ever made as far as her eye care. Amazing. They they just I'm just impressed. And and they're always easy to work with. Lots of selection. She's only broken the glasses once in a year and we've only had to go back. <laughs> yes. That warranty that they ask you if you want to buy was worth it. Every penny. I'm like, yes, I guess we'll get that. And sure enough, it was I'm like, yep, that was a great choice. 
When a lot of teenagers in that boat aren't going to ask for help necessarily, they may need it, they may want it, and maybe that article will help some of them be able to realize that they can reach out or a parent to be able to say, to see some signs or, um, cause you're right. It is, it's tough all the way around and it's tough. I think it's tough for, tough for parents in one way, tough for teenagers or college kids in one way. And then, and then different, the younger they go, it's just a big extended vacation. Camden doesn't see this as any kind of problem. She sees it as I have been able to do whatever I want, whenever I want since March. Um, Caitlin sees it very differently as probably your older kids do. Uh, Katie and I see it differently and it is, um, it, it, it is totally different for each one of us. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'm interested in reading that too, because he is such a well-spoken young guy. And it's funny that I remember when we, when I started working with you, he was so much younger and he's just taller and his voice is deeper and he's just, you know, he's just, he's, he, he just holds himself very, very well. And it's just, I'm amazed that he's, that he graduated. You know I mean? It's like, wait a minute, you're, you're 18. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Some of those things tend to get you. You, yeah, you get choked up now and then. I mean, not that I don't, but you tend to get choked up. Oh, jeez. So I have something to look forward to. <laughs> Great. Like, I don't get enough grief from my wife now. <laughs> no, I, I might not. This dog thing might kill me anyway. I don't. Oh, jeez. Yeah, really. You are not that much older than I am. <laughs> There are some days that I'm like that, and I can't tell if that's mentally or if it's physically or if it's both. Because you're right, it is. It can be exhausting when you're working six days a week or seven days a week. Or and I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, being in news, it is thrilling and it is interesting. You love it, but it has to be mentally taxing. No different than being a nurse does or a doctor. Every field has its own part of it that is probably taxing and i would imagine even in in your position as a news director it has to be some of it has to be taxing yeah Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a long stretch. No matter how much you love something or how much the adrenaline runs, that's a long stretch to uh like you said, even if it's four hours a day. And or twelve. I mean that that's a long time. And and the same thing over and over, because now so much of what I mean so much of it is it's it is some of the same stuff, just a different way to cover it and a different angle every day. Um, I, I think those the couple the headlines that we have now are going to be with us for a while. You know, the COVID's not going away, and the unrest in our country is not going to go away until until as Americans we find a way to solve it or to fix it or to to move forward. So I don't see. I mean, it, well, here's a, here's an analogy too. I I do not like NASCAR. I'm I don't I'm not a fan. But I I have watched NASCAR recently because it's the only sport on TV. There's no baseball. There's no. I mean, I saw that the NBA may come back in July. Now they're talking that maybe Major League Baseball might play 70 games. Those things to me, I like actually am like, I cannot wait just to sit and watch a Cubs game on TV uh, and do nothing else. I mean, those little things like that, again, they are really irrelevant in the greater scheme of things. But now you realize how much they provide mental refreshment to you, whether it's sports or or even if it's the river bandits, something local or something, you know, on a national scale, hopefully those things are starting to come back because we do need collectively something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, We're always looking for new guests. If you know someone that should be a guest on the podcast or if you want to be a guest, your dad, your grandpa, you're going to be a dad. um, We'd love to hear from you. You can send us a Facebook message. You can find us on Instagram, uh, Journey to Dad. We're on Facebook, Journey from Dude to Dad. Um, You can email Mike. What's, What's the best email for you? Send it to Karen first. She'll approve all your requests. <laughs> She's your agent. <sighs> uh, yep. No, I totally get that. So, uh, any other uh, closing thoughts, remarks, uh, fancies that uh, strike you today? No, that's true. Uh, yes, your videos, If uh, let us know because your video could be cathartic to a lot of other people as well. Uh, if you have something to share, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we will be back soon with another episode. 
Thank you for listening. We appreciate that. Check out the June issue of QC Family Focus Magazine at uh, on Facebook, and you can click on it. It's this beautiful digital edition. You can flip through it and read all the different uh, features and stories. And uh, we will be back in another week or so with another episode, maybe an episode of how much I'm enjoying moving from one house to another in the middle of the heat in the summer. Yes, I'm sure we do. Yes. Yes. Photos of me holding stuff while the six-year-old like carries the dog to the new house. Well, then you'd have pictures of the sky and the backyard. You would see everything but what you wanted to see. She's still not an accomplished uh, cell phone photographer yet. She's trying, but uh, she's getting there. But yeah, maybe we'll work on it. Yeah, really. I'll be like, if you haven't mastered this by seven, she wants her own phone now, by the way. That's a, t- that's a subject for another episode is what age is, it, is old enough for your kid to get a phone in today's world? Um, maybe that's a topic we can cover next time. Uh, mm. hmm. Wow. That's that's young. Well, I think Caitlin got one. She was like seven for that same reason, because we were in separate cities. But uh, yeah, I'm fighting that now. I'm like, no, Camden doesn't need a phone. She's six. We don't need a phone. She's always got my phone half the time. So I don't. Yeah, we don't need that. So. All right. Well, we'll maybe approach that subject on another day and I'll see if I can come up with some great pictures from the move. I'm sure that everyone would really like to see that. Well, we appreciate you listening. It's The Journey from Dude to Dad. He's Mike Mickle. I'm Kevin Walker. Uh, You can listen to old episodes here as well, and we will talk to you soon with another episode. And there you have it, another installment of The Journey from Dude to Dad. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out The Journey from Dude to Dad on Facebook or Journey to Dad on Instagram. And last but not least, check out our video blog at journeytodad.com.